You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. It's episode 63. My name is Mervyn Yue and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American, Jess Ju. Hey Jess. What up Marvin? And also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Nguyen. Hey Han. Hey hey. How is everyone doing? It's... It is Friday, July the 9th, 2021. We are in the middle or the beginning of uh, what we like to call here in California fire season. Um, there's already been a few fires going around across mm. the state. Everyone's turning on their ACs because it is, is triple digits everywhere in Southern California. I'm so sweaty, Marvin. <laughs> I'm just like always covered in boob sweat. It's, it's not it's great. great. It's there's, not great. There's a fire up north called the Lava Fire, which disappointingly is not a volcano fire. Although, I guess that's also a good thing that's not a volcano fire. Ugh, this is so sad. It's always, it's never great when like natural disasters have names. It's like very ominous. Yeah. I know. Um, was the storms, like tropical storms, all have like alphabetized? Well, this is really naming. funny, and I'm trying so hard not to make it the mm-hmm. obvious joke, but it is tropical storm Elsa, Elsa. hitting mm-hmm. the East Coast right now, and I'm just kind of like, no, no, don't, don't nope. do it, just you, don't, yeah, do it. Don't. because let's not make light of it. Don't, let's not make light of it, and like you're better than that. You're you are smarter than, especially to- if it's destructive. <laughs> yeah, you may be better than that, but. I'm telling you right now, all the meteorologists in every mm-hmm. local TV station are is licking their chops, readying yeah. their Disney, like yeah. clearing that Disney license for the upcoming uh, for their I don't upcoming. Think Disney coverage. has like has licensed the name. I'm like sure if you like, yeah, if you Photoshop like a blue dress over it, like yes, they can oh, no. sue I mean, they're you, definitely they... playing Let It Go during yeah, their or, segment. Well, <laughs> all the ABC affiliates are very excited right now. <laughs> See horizontal syner- uh horizontal mm-hmm. integration <laughs> synergy synergy. I would laugh if it hit Orlando. I don't know if it hit Orlando and it just like rained at Disney World. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny, uh, but kind of funny. <laughs> I hate Florida, so yes. Uh, well, on this episode, we're talking about the 2020 um, independent film. I Will Make You Mine, the third film of the Surrogate Valentine trilogy. This one directed by debut director Lin Chen, who was also the star of a previous good pop um, pick, Alice Wu's Saving Face. The film just had its, um, I guess, quote unquote, premiere on the big screen, even though it's been available for streaming for um, the past few months. Um, but yeah, excited to talk about that film with you too. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week. Uh, let's start with Jess. What's popping? So um, as evident from our initial conversation about the destruction of the earth and just bad vibes, I have been turning to comfort watches. And what is more comforting than Mamma Mia, the movie musical, um, which is currently streaming on I want to say Peacock for free. Um, It's a lot of fun. I forgot. It's been a while since I revisited this musical. I did watch the second one. That one was weird, but still fun. 
And, you know, they really got the tone of this right. I have also since become a much bigger ABBA fan since I initially watched this. I mm -hmm. went to Sweden and visited the ABBA Museum since I initially watched this and really, like, have a deeper appreciation for ABBA as, like, musicians. Not just kind of, like, the cheesy background that you hear from, like, your parents' cassette tapes. And, you know, props to the movie directors they really embrace the cheesiness and the extraness and the Euro popness that makes Mamma Mia work. Um, and I, it's really interesting too because I feel like Gen Z is obsessed with Mamma Mia. It's on TikTok a lot. A lot of Gen Zers and I think like younger millennials like really have adopted this in a way into their collective generational identity. Um, and I see why. It's just so happy. And you have three hotter, older dudes who are like, who's your dad? Like, it's like very sex positive if you think about it, right? Because she like has three potential baby daddies. Also, FYI, July 17th is apparently um, Mama Mia Day because that's the day Donna, a.k.a. Meryl Streep's character, like fucked one of them. Wait, it what says day in is her it? diary, Whoa. July 17th. All right, putting that on my calendar. And I will say, like, I say, this sounds ridiculous, but the book writer, the fact that they were actually able to kind of craft a sensical, emotional story arc around ABBA songs with this ridiculous plotline, and it kind of works. Like, the story holds up enough that you can even make a sequel based off the story <laughs> from the first one. Like, props to you, original book writers. Props. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a Mamma Mia um, you it is you haven't seen it like apps. any version of it, no. or I have not. I know. Oh my god, I know we ABBA need to songs. But I, I don't even know. this. I even mm. like ABBA songs. And mm. yeah. okay, I'm, pro I'm, I'm proposing a Mamma Mia episode, both one and two, later in the series, in this podcast <laughs> series. We have to do this. All right. I mean, we could. I was about to say we could do it for Mamma Mia Day, but we're probably going to be reviewing some other movie. <laughs> well, well, for the uninitiated, the three potential dads. Uh, do you guys know the storylines mm -hmm. of the Mamma Mia? I actually Marvin, do. Marvin, do you know? It's, no. It's, okay, it's I see from your face. No. So yes, a a young woman is getting married, and she doesn't know who her father is. So she sends wedding invites to three men who may potentially be her father, and they come to this Greek island. It's in this Greek island. It's beautiful. And in the movie, the three fathers are played by Pierce Brosnan. Bill, uh, Stellan Skarsgård and um, Colin Firth, which is perfection. Like, that is an amazing selection of men to choose from to both be your dad and be your baby daddy. Um, I have my favorite, obviously. And uh, I like to know what other people's favorite. So, yes, we have to do a whole show on this one day. I'm going to need your thoughts and break down, <laughs> you know, your deep thoughts on the three men which team you're on. It's a lot of fun. It's like putting a bunch of Academy Award winning prestige actors into this like Euro trash musical. I would highly, highly recommend. <laughs> All right. I guess, I guess we're obligated to fulfill your wants and needs. Jess, uh, one of these days we will watch. I'm I was about to say Apple rag musical, you on it. but it's I'm Mama just going to rag you on it until you watch <laughs> Mamma Mia. Uh, all right. Han, what's popping with you? All right. I'm cheating. So instead of 
mentioning TV shows I only watched the first half of an episode of and I didn't especially like. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to shout out to uh, Jess and my participation on the Books and Bova podcast recently. Hey, hey that that's a podcast that uh, Marvin knows about. <laughs> um, but we reviewed, helped to review and discuss uh, a book called Happy Endings, which because uh, Jess and I are rom-com and romance novels sort of aficionados we were invited to discuss and in particular um the book written by Tian Kim Lam is about a Vietnamese American woman who uh sells sex toys for a living and when she's in DC uh she runs into her old flame her ex who had broken up with her in a very not great way uh named Andre uh Walker who is um and they had met and dated when they were in New Orleans. And so this is an interracial romance and there are sex toys and there's also Cajun food. Um and I don't want to give too much away because that's what that podcast is all about, but I do have <laughs> to say um we had a lot of fun talking about it. I think it'll be fun to listen to and also just in general hearing about people's relative comfort levels talking about sex and sex toys in particular <laughs> is just a lot of fun. I feel like I've become more knowledgeable after the discussion, <laughs> not just in like the ways of the sex toys, but also in like the the wor inner workings of romance fiction. And I've discovered that second chance romance, not really my favorite trope or my favorite thing in um, no. romance fiction. It's just very hard to do right. I am. I that's probably. Um, yeah. I, I, I have to say, of all the rom-coms that I've thought about like trying to write, that would definitely not be one of them. They broke up for a reason, guys. <laughs> I personally also just am yeah. very much about leaving exes in the rear view. So that I mean, might be agreed, my Han, Agreed. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, you can see it as an extension of enemies to lovers, but it's like enemies with baggage to lovers, which is... A little bit more. No, no, hard no. To they're off, enemies right? usually because of a miscommunication mm -hmm. or a misunderstanding or a historical family feud. Okay, it's <laughs> it's different if it's like like I actually knew you intimately, you wronged me, and now we are gonna try it again. Like there has to be a real understanding of how the person, <laughs> the fucker upper, like has changed to really make me want to root for them. The fucker upper. The fucker upper. The, really one it it. Up. the one who fucked it up. The one who fucked it up. The fucker upper. It's just oh. like a new show that's going to be on HTTV. You know, I've upper. predicted crazier things before. <laughs> so, yes, I'm sure that will be a series coming out next fall. I could see it on, like, maybe Netflix or something. But they, I don't know how they would name it. But there is a show called F-Boy Island coming to Peacock, I think it is. So, maybe. I mean, I'm upper. sure... Jess will love it, but that just sounds horrible. Oh, I am totally gonna eat that up. That's that I'm, sounds, oh my I'm I am a hundred percent ready to be <laughs> fucked up. Um, and I will say that you know, like just in my real life, I was driving somewhere, saw like a very traditionally like hot fuck Asian fuck boy walking down near my neighborhood, and then as I drove closer, I realized homie was carrying a baby, like in a <laughs> sling, and that just totally sent me like a weird. Oh. spiral uh, for many reasons not, not even like the dilf part more just like wow the fuck boys are procreating now and they're responsible for another life like what point of life am i in right now that's <laughs> sneaky 
Welcome. You're like, how do, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> how do I feel about this? <laughs> Welcome to adulthood, Jess, too. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Marvin, I don't want to be here. <sighs> All right. So, Marvin, what's popping with you? Nothing. Nothing is popping with me besides that podcast we did where we talked about sex toys. Um, I've been cleaning my room because my parents are here and now I have like an authority figure um, <laughs> telling me what to do at home. Um, as Asian parents do. So, um, yeah, I've been clearing out. I'm trying to change my bed because I've been on a uh, at home. I have a I've had a full bed for a long time and I kind of want to upgrade. I want to be able to at least roll over once in my bed, you know, upgrade to a queen. And in order to do so, I need to rearrange some furniture. So I cleaned out this corner of my room that has been stacked with boxes for so long that I have no idea what's in them. So as I'm going through them, I realize these are my high school essays and like term mm. papers. And I have no idea why I still have them or why. Digitize those things. Yeah, I think, or you could just let them go, man. Oh, I tossed them. I tossed them all. Oh no, I saved that shit. But (laughs) I'm also a writer. I did try reading some of it, and it is total shit. Yeah, so it's cute because I used to like my parents saved a lot of stuff. Like they saved all my like kindergarten, first grade stuff. That shit's adorable. I didn't know how to spell sea lion. That's cute. But when you read the <laughs> stupid shit you wrote in like high school or like undergrad, you're like, Ooh. yeah. Like um, I found some like we did a poetry book, and I was like, no, this is Ooh. all just bad. I, I I was probably half asking it when I was there. No. Wait, you, you, did you at least take a picture of that? Because I would I would pay to read that. <laughs> I would pay to read Marvin's high school poetry. Just like my old Zanga, it is now lost to the void. Called the landfill. Damn, what a tease. I, I would have I would have I would have bought a copy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So a <laughs> bunch of term papers. I found my yearbook, so I kept those. What else did I find? I found a lot of like you know how when you're in high school and you're like trying to gear up for college apps, you're just collecting all sorts of bullshit certificates and awards. Yes. Vaguely, <laughs> I feel like they didn't really issue awards at that point when I was applying. It was just like you just listed oh. it. See, my school gave stuff like outstanding student award, service award. I have I saw my certificates from like most service hours for um interact service oh. club. And I to be fair, I cheat. And I didn't really cheat because they did work all those hours, but I banked them all during winter break because I don't know if you did this, Jess, but did you ever decorate Rose Parade floats? Okay. Um, I was like a really, I was actually very against volunteering <laughs> when I was in high school. I never volunteered for anything because I'm like, yo, I should be getting paid for this. Why the, why the fuck would I volunteer? my labor um and then yeah it's a total scam and then i was like oh but i was like an officer in a lot of these clubs and somehow was able to finagle like arranging these volunteer drives for other people to work to count as my volunteer hours she beat the system she beat the system in your mind, no, you I've are never, you are a, you're a worker books. standing up for your rights, but in practice, you are a was it baron? You're a yes, service I baron. had I had a I had a knowledge, <laughs> and I was well. I mean, I didn't force people. I was just like, you, yeah, you need hours to make your some the requirements. I was like, I ain't working for free. I'm not standing in the hot sun working Oban for free, but you can. <laughs> 
So Jessie doesn't work, but she does do the organizing. She I would is, pick it, but we're talking about like bitches taking the expo- exploiting high school children's <laughs> labor, and I was smart enough to know that I should be getting paid for this. It's true. So no, Marvin, that's a long way to say I did not volunteer <laughs> a lot. Uh, I mean, in the end, as we've all seen from films like um, Try, uh, Harder. Try Harder, how much of a difference does it actually make? I don't know, but I it think... It didn't, because I didn't do anything. I'm fine. <laughs> I was fine. You still went to Berkeley. I did go to Berkeley. I mean... Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what's popping with me. Um, cleaning the room. Cleaning my room. Not getting as happy for you, Marvin. Scrubbing the past of a <laughs> shitty... Poetry like, I was reading my like analysis of like the Scarlet Letter. I was like, oh, I mean... Oh, my God. I wish I read that. Oh my god! You should have seen. Now I'm like, you're sure. Yes, I'm telling them. you. I I don't know. I like reading my old shit, even if it's bad. Uh, just I just I don't know. I I like sort of time traveling back into that world. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No thanks. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, all right. That's what's popping for this week. Uh oh. Before we move on, we do have one final go Asian for oh, yeah. um this season of Top Chef. Um, mm. Top Chef season eighteen finally over. The finale was last Thursday. Um, I want to say it ended great, but um, our well. Asian did not win. Spoiler alert! And well, the one we'll that see. did win um ended up mired in controversy. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what what do we all think about the end of this season? Curse season now. Curse season. Like that's the thing with. I feel like competition shows, if the right person does not win, it kind of sullies the rest of the season, no matter how good the rest of the season is. But that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's shitty that after such a great, lovely, feel-good season this year, you know, it's it's sullied in this very well-deserved controversy and i think it's also like the way bravo has handled it has just been terrible yeah for context like no acknowledgement um, of it so our boy shoda ended up not winning the finale which was sad but man that hoji cheesecake real good he did fuck up technically in some things i'm just like he fucked up the rice which is always like mm. ooh, that's gotta hurt on both ends like to see a japanese chef yeah. fuck up the rice and i mean i think his, a japanese chef to fuck up the rice i think his main thing was his main dish was curry which probably tasted delicious but it just looked like a home dish like it yeah, wasn't refined th- enough right but that also kind of annoys me because top chef I feel like wanting to, like, defining a top chef as someone with that, like, <laughs> like, like, it's classist, right? Like, oh, yeah. we only want, like, extremely Michelin star dishes. Like, some people just don't like I, Michelin dishes. I mean, I think the it wasn't that they were even opposed to the flavors, but it was the plating. And they do sort of judge on plating that's why they had asked Dawn like did you mean to splatter <laughs> like the sauce on there and she had forgotten to wipe it or didn't have time to wipe something so I'm not saying that's necessarily fair when the tastes are all there but I think the other thing is just like when you're on Top Chef like if we're getting like basic food why are you on the show yeah so but- I I'm I mean and I am showing my own privileged ass off here, but as someone who has eaten at a lot of Michelin star <laughs> restaurants, as in like three Michelin mm-hmm. star who've gone to a lot of these like top fifty 
restaurants in the world, you know, I'm rarely impressed with fine dining anymore. Yeah. And some of the best meals and some of my best experiences are these more like, you know, homey, comforting, like restaurant places. Because I will tell you, like, that bill that, you know, getting there, paying that amount of money, trying to get that reservation and you eat it and you're like, yeah. "Yeah." I kind (laughs) of like either mom and pop for obvious reasons or I like that sort of middle of the road gastro pub because at a regular pub, I'm not going to necessarily be able to get muscles, but at a slightly <laughs> above gastro pub, I can get muscles, but it won't be like 50 bucks at a like a fancy restaurant. I can get it for like 15 to 17 bucks. I love something. this Hans scale. Does the yeah. pub have muscles and is the muscles less than $50? It's yeah. Yes. Do the muscles up. make me sick? <laughs> well, yes, exactly. And of course, you know, Anthony Bourdain says never order the muscles and I don't listen to that. So Muscles are great. Well, yeah. you're still alive, so you know it <laughs> exactly. Can't be that. I mean, I have the constitution of a goat, so uh, <laughs> I just figured I would take the risk, and so far I've been good. You're yeah. fine, totally yeah. fine. So um, we're bearing the lead here, which is the winner ended up being Gabe Arales, um, the Mexican American chef, um, who throughout the season seemed like a cool dude. You know, family man, very cooks much into moles. great moles, um, and then I guess. It was revealed that in December, he was fired from his job. Um, and December was after the recording, the filming of Top Chef Season 18 had already finished. He was fired after the filming for, um, it said harassment, right? Or for violating policies, the restaurant policies. But uh, word on the street is it was for like sexual harassment, right? Or an inappropriate sexual relationship. With one of his staff members, female staff members, who then got her hours cut. Right. So he's claiming that it had nothing to do, hours being cut had nothing to do with the sexual relationship. And it's just like, well, (laughs) number one, you're their boss. You shouldn't be sleeping with your employees anyways if you're boss. If you're their boss, and then it's my my gut feeling is telling me if the restaurant has enough to one fire you and two release a statement in writing, mm-hmm. at least even acknowledging code of conduct misviolation, you did something wrong because a business would not risk their ass to sever in someone you know because then if they didn't have evidence or do cause it would have been like and a then huge to put liability, it in yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, it would have been spun differently or they would have like, you should resign and yeah. we'll give you a severance, you know, or like, I think it's better we part ways and like do this quietly. But they fired him and then yeah. released the statement. They, were they distancing, have the evidence. Yeah. yeah, they were distancing themselves from him in any way possible because they figured it would get out. Which is yeah. a bummer. That does not bode well. Like as someone who'd like has, you know, done very kind of political behind the scenes work before like you you do not do that unless you are a hundred percent sure mm-hmm. like on the business like the business oh yeah 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 you don't put you, especially put it in writing and release it to press no they have ammo of gabe were to be like well i was let go on you know if he makes any claims they have enough on him to dispute that <laughs> so mm-hmm. sketchy sully's the whole season really gross yeah yeah <sighs> and and for the for the people who saw that, they were against Gabe, but then 
seeing that sort of slow motion car crash, you know, as the uh, episode advanced and he did too. But then for the people who didn't follow that, they felt incredibly betrayed by the show because, you know, for good reasons, they were gunning for him um, being a Mexican-American, that he cooked very well um, and was doing great for the representation of the food. And so, yeah, they felt like horribly betrayed by that. I mean, such a hard, I mean, I can't imagine what the producers, I mean, the producers definitely knew for the last mm-hmm. six months and just sat on it, hoping it won't be as bad That's as they the hope thing. it they is. They had right? six months to figure out what to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to eventually switch our Go Asian segments to the Olympics. Yeah. Which Olympus will, coming up. The next which edition. Which will also be fraught. The next season, (laughs) we're going to go Asian, all the Asian American athletes, and it'll it'll be, I mean. There there are so many. I'm so excited. (laughs) Are you ready to watch like super obscure events? I love the super obscure events. And we get new events this year. Skateboarding, skateboarding, rock climbing. Yeah. Uh, That's going to be so fun. All right. Well, Shota Nakajima is the winner of Top Chef in our hearts. Um, I can't wait to go to his restaurant in Seattle. I'm going to try to check out Jamie's restaurant in Las Vegas as well. Can we can we do like road trips? Oh, 100%. <laughs> or or maybe so not down. road trips, but like fly. Like, you know, like uh, field trips. Do you trips. guys want to take a train to Seattle? <laughs> I I would possibly we can do that. This yeah. po- Let's do that. And we'll just, we should record on the train. Oh my train God, cast. that'd be so Let's cool. Yeah. And talk about train content. <laughs> yes. Well, That'll do it for this first season of Go Asian, part of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, Go Asian will be back in a month, like we mentioned, to talk about the Olympics. But um, that's what's popping for this week. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're talking about I Will Make You Mine. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to Good Pop. Uh, on this episode, we're talking about I Will Make You Mine, a 2020 film directed by Lin Chen that acts as the third and final film of the Surrogate Valentine trilogy. Um, the first two films, of course, featured Lynn and was directed by Dave Boyle. The first two films, Surrogate Valentine and Daylight Savings, centered around a fictional version of real-life singer Go Nakamura as he navigates life and love as an independent musician. In this third film, the perspective is flipped instead to focus on the three women in his life as they wrestle with life's difficulties while confronting their past relationships with Go. Um, the film stars Go Nakamura, Yeming Chen, Ayano Fujitani, and Lin Chen, who also wrote, directed, and produced the film. Um, it was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest last year, um, but was delayed because of the COVID pandemic and later released on um, streaming services um, instead. And this past Wednesday night, it had its theatrical premiere. Um, the cast and crew got together and 
played the film for the first and final time on a theater big screen in um, Beverly Hills, California, uh, which I also attended. Um, it was my first community screening event. Um, it was fun to see a bunch of friends. Um, fun fact and also disclosure, before South by Southwest was canceled, I was actually in the process of planning the premiere party for this film because it overlapped with a collaboration event that I was also working on. So um, it's kind of sad that we weren't able to do that, but it was cool to finally see everyone celebrate this film. Um, but yeah, I guess to start off, Jess Han, have either of you watched the other <laughs> films of the series before coming in? I have not. Uh, when I heard it was a trilogy, I was like, that sounds vaguely familiar. And I was like, do I have to watch the other ones? And apparently I don't. Yes, I did not watch it. Love Lynn. Love Go. Lovely man. Um, but uh it was they're like they're like in they're like indie movies of indie movies, right? This trilogy. <laughs> but they're also all relatively short. Both films are 60 minutes mm -hmm. long. I actually watched the first two films earlier today to prepare for the discussion because Whoa. I own them, because I did contribute okay. to all their Kickstarters and also because I figured we need wow. at least one person. What a who patron, remember. Marvin. You're so fancy. <laughs> and I also felt like we need we need at least one person who did watch the first two films to like kind of talk to that as well. Because um this third film is actually really different because it's like um like what this film was to me was kind of like you know how you never see like there are rarely any sequels to rom coms, right? To see like what happens after the grand gesture or like after you just assume they're happily ever after right because you don't see the aftermath and this film kind of gives us like what happens if you project further into this romance or this, this like these romantic relationships um it kind of reminded me of another independent movie series which is the the before sunset before series sunset, yeah uh, before um and this is like the one that happens like five years later everyone's kind of jaded everyone's having troubles and um, they all come back together at a focal point and kind of deal with it. But I'm curious, as um, people who haven't watched the first two films, what did y'all think about it? Um, I thought, you know, considering that I had no relationship with any of these characters prior to watching this specific film, I thought the movie did a pretty good job of kind of throwing us in there and like a kind of endearing us to the three women um i especially really was interested by lynn's character rachel um and i just there were a lot of things i did not understand but you know i understood her energy like this <laughs> and maybe it's like a very like quarter life like you're like transitioning to the next phase of your life do you want all this shit of energy that i'm relating to but um, of the three women, I, I really enjoyed, I was more the most interested in Rachel's character. Um, I will say, I think what I did lose in not watching the first two movies is understanding, like, why they're also hung up on Go. <laughs> Again, love Go. Nice person. But, like, he just seems like this kind of, like, schlubby, like musician who w was supposed to make it big but never did and is like how did he land these three hotties and why are they also hung <laughs> up on him i mean i feel like go will be the first person to describe himself as a schlubby musician guy and like you know he sings his music is featured all throughout the the series and it's a very like it's like sad love songs it's kind of his vibe yeah, I mean, I right. get that, you know, the relationship with uh, Erica, who they have a child together that 
that makes a lot of sense too. And like we get the parameters of that relationship. You want to make it work. You know, you obviously have built a family together. Um, so I think for me, the 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 most questions I had, or maybe the most unrealized to me, was Yeming, uh, the musician, and as and I'm speaking as someone who is also not a musician. I feel like there's this mystical quality when you can be creative with somebody. But I was like, also like this guy, like go write music with someone else. Like, girl, <laughs> why are you? Why are you doing this to yourself? Move on, move on. Yeah. Um. So I guess. I guess we should let me regale you with the tales of Daylight Saving Sergey Valentine's, the abridged version. Um, so Sergey Valentine was the first film um, directed by Dave Boyle, who is one of those guys who, as a white dude, directs pretty good Asian American films. Um, Man from Reno was pretty good, starring Ayako um, Fujitani, who, who also played Erica. Uh, fun fact, she's also the daughter of Steven Seagal. What? Yeah. That is the a fuck? very fun fact. That yeah. is. <laughs> you buried the lead. What? <laughs> they should have written that into the movie. The character should also have been the daughter of Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he also wrote uh, and directed White on Rice, which Lin Chen also starred in as the romantic lead. The first film, Sergey Valentine, which is also the name of one of um, Go's songs, is about basically Go Nakamura as Go Nakamura. The character is hired to teach an actor how to um, play music because the actor is playing a version of him in his friend's script. While he's doing that, he's also pining over basically Lin Chen is his high school best friend who's always like dating other people and he's never had like the guts to go after her. So the film ends with him deciding to take a shot and then it ends ambiguously. Um, well, I guess uh, it didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second film is a road movie where um, basically um, Joe's been dating Erica for, I guess, a year. And Erica is at a crossroads, not sure of where the re- relationship is going, like where her career is going, where his career is going. And kind of maybe broke up with him. Well, they had a fight and maybe broke up. And then Go goes on a road trip with his cousin who just got divorced and basically has a rebound relationship with Yeming's character in Vegas. And then that film ends with like um, him arriving in Los Angeles and like meeting with Erica again. And then and it also ends ambiguously where basically he's at a decision where does he want to stay with her or not? <laughs> so that brings us to this film, which starts... Uh, five years later, and obviously he has stayed with Erica, had a child with her, but never got married. And they've been now separated because um, from what I gather from the film, she's still insecure about his past relationships. Um, For good reason. Uh, yeah. He spends a lot of time with his ex-girlfriends. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess my sort of feelings were very similar to Jess's in that while I appreciate that they built up Go's character in the first two films and maybe knowing those would have given me more context about like his appeal, I don't think that that is enough. I think if we're watching a movie that's a standalone, which we kind of enter this into and I think it could be a standalone because we liked all the other female characters plenty <laughs> um, I think maybe they could have 
shown a little bit more with with Go's character. Um, I keep calling. I mean, his name is Go also. So I, but I don't want people to confuse him with the actual actor. Um, so, and I and I think that is a very interesting point when you're talking about the chemistry that songwriters have. Uh, when they're working together, that's a lot of that has made been made of with like a star is born. And um, once, oh my God, that movie is amazing when it comes to like talking about songwriters and chemistry. Um, so, you know, they, it looks like they have a pretty good friendship going on when they're writing songs together, but I didn't feel any chemistry. And so, yeah, I guess I was very sort of like, what is the deal with this? Like, is it pheromones? Is that why we don't get it as viewers? Um, why everyone <laughs> is like circling this guy? Whereas every single one of these women, I was just like, I found fascinating. Um, the if we're talking about you know whatever life crises, um, Ye Ming's character, except for her weird interest in him, I found very relatable as an older woman who is single who like nevertheless still has hopes of doing you know artistic things and and are dealing with like a lower let's say quality of life because of that and being single so she has a roommate um so i was just like wow is this is this my future because i also have had severe bangs before um and probably (laughs) will again you know knowing me so uh yeah oh also she wears an angry asian man t-shirt which i also have so um but i mean i found it gorgeous visually um it's black and white film um and the lighting is amazing i think i think there's a lot of good framework and just movement in the film um there's a scene where Ye Ming wears a black and white i mean well i don't know what colors they are there is a striped t-shirt and just she's you know riding her bike down the street and it's just a gorgeous scene um i like go's music uh and i think it's used very well throughout the film to kind of tell that story um, maybe that's what they were hoping to fill in the blanks because through the lyrics uh, with Ye Ming's character, she, you know, kind of talks about that sort of yearning she has and like being unsure because it's kind of like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and so- even the daughter, they uh, Go's daughter, I found very interesting as far as like how she was used in the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess... Another piece of trivia is all three films, Daylight Saving, Sergey Valentine's, I Will Make You Mine, are also names of songs. So the first two films are names of Gold Nakamura songs. The third film, I Will Make You Mine, is the name of um, Yeming's song. Like, and yeah. basically, it's a song that existed already before the film. And so like, this was a question that was asked during Q&A, and it was just, it's a happy coincidence that the lyrics of the song fit directly with the themes of the film that they were going for. I think that's kind of smart, because also... If you are putting the point of view with the three women in this film to have the song revert to a woman <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I, I like it when TV shows do that, like um, when the names of the episodes for a season um, switch. So like, let's say Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the whole first season was all about like Josh. So every single title of an episode was Josh. <laughs> and then, but the, by the second season, it changed to another person's name, and then by the final season, um, it changed to herself, and it that kind of showed a little journey. Um, yeah. So I, I that's a kind of a cool. Yeah, and I mean, I guess okay. Regardless, so <laughs> disregarding the fact that Go is not your typical romance <laughs> protagonist, um, he doesn't have the you know the Fabio bod or like. <laughs> Um, even I mean he has charm, right? He he is like a, a, nice, a nice dude. Guy. Yeah. Um 
I think what I got from the film is Go could could have been anyone, but he just happens to be like the one dude that they all had in common who was like a different thing for each of them, right? Like for Erica's character, he's the father of her child. Um, For Rachel, he was maybe the one that got away uh, because at the end of the first film, she was the one who decided not to go with him. And so like she's at that point, maybe she's like, after but because like she's also dealing with um, her husband's infidelity right and so she's at this crossroads in her life and then for Ming, basically it's kind of the reverse of rachel where he was someone who they vibed with for that one night and then never came back because he went back to his his girlfriend so maybe i'm just like not a sentimental enough person <laughs> to understand um because I think a part of it is because it is so real, like the way it's mm-hmm. shot or it's very casual. It's not very, things are not very heightened in this film series, I would say. Um, which I think totally makes sense in in keeping the tone across. But then when you don't have that heightened sense, it's just, you know, I feel like the the further away it is from the reality, the more you can accept things that don't make sense to you, right? Like, I can accept that a rocket, a Pontiac went into space because, you know, it's Fast and the Furious. But when we're doing something so intimate and so small and, like, I don't know, as someone who's, like, a fairly rational person, I just still sometimes some of me is just like, why are you letting this man, like, take up so much space in your head? But then it's not really about him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then I question why we're centering the movie around him. Or at least the plot device or the way to tell the story around. Yeah. Because it, he really doesn't need to be there yeah. for us to examine the <laughs> lives of these three women. But I think that's the trappings of having a trilogy, right? Because it is a continuation of the story that was told. But I think the first two films was Go's story and this film decides to focus on the women. And I think that's also like, that is a very, I like that a Dave Boyle, the director, handed the keys off to Lynn to write the story from the women's perspective, right? Because you don't usually get... No, no. I I mean, in in many ways, I get what you're saying. I like that the song, the direction, the writing all went to the women this time, except this is kind of the opposite of the Bechdel test. <laughs> um, for then the woman to be orbiting this one man, I'm just so like, what? <laughs> I So I, I get it, like, maybe we can treat him as like a faceless person and this is how they deal with the patriarchy. Um, But uh, yeah, because it is so realistic, I'm having a hard time kind of seeing it as that sort of metaphor. Um, And I am seeing it as the literal thing, which is go um, or Go's character. So maybe I just wanted maybe a little bit more to establish why um, he has so much meaning for these other two women, even if it's a shorthand. I don't want to say even flashback because sometimes that's lazy storytelling. But um, yeah, because I don't feel the weight of that past in this movie um, and it's not established. So maybe I just wanted an establishing shot, establishing conversation, something, anything. And and with only with the the uh, the baby mama, did I really kind of understand that? And I think because we, I think, I believe we start off with Erica, the, him and the baby mama. And like, that's the first relationship we see. So then it also kind of, if again, if you're going into this as a standalone and you haven't seen the first two movies, it, then you kind of, I think you inherently the questions begin to arise as to what is 
like kind of how did he fuck up like what is he not doing like why can't they work right they have a child together there's usually no better reason to try to make something work right like you give a shot for you to create a family to keep your family together so if like the woman who is the mother of his child is like saying that he's not good enough like i'm inherently just or like he's not measuring up he's not giving her something i'm like inherently kind of gonna be on her side i i maybe yes i mean are we into spoiler territory yet can we talk about how it turns out um yeah because i think what might have satisfied Jess and me is if at the end he ends up with none of them, because that would have made it clear to me how what they once thought they had a, a connection with, they came to the realization that they didn't. And, um, and therefore it kind of, that journey made sense. So, because since we didn't feel that connection really with him and he, it really is one of those things where it's like, it's kind of referred to, that like they had a falling out with or a amount of distrust with the baby mama, but it's not really a satisfying reconciliation for me. Um, and the other two kind of just go on back in their lives, maybe for reasons where I it I don't know. It wasn't terribly clear to me. But here's the other thing: like I overall did like the movie because of the storytelling in it. Um, how it was approached and the focus on the women. And maybe that's why I kind of wanted to make for it to make more sense because I think the women were so strong. Agreed. I think it, I would have loved to see a version of this movie that was not the third in a trilogy. And yeah, had, I think you know, a lot of your problems might have been solved by watching the first two films as <laughs> yeah. well. Because you're, well, you're talking about background establishing shots. I feel like, yeah, the establishing shot would have been the first two hours of this trilogy. I mean, I think Lynn did do an incredible job. I mean, she's obviously lived with this character for a really long time in this world. Um, I know she also made this movie for, like, no money. And yeah. <laughs> I do think she did a phenomenal job, And considering this is, like, a directorial debut, and I believe also the first feature she's written. Like, by it's all well means, made. pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very talented. A lot of raw talent, you could totally tell. Um, it is, I just do, I wonder, like, if she were not confined to like fitting it in this kind of framework what would this movie have been yeah i think this was um a case where i think they always wanted to make a third film but then dave got busy with like his work um the, the first director and then it just lynn decided i'm just gonna do it myself then um i always enjoy watching like when i watched we watched the first two films as was watching this one just go acting is just so funny to me because he's not like he's not he's not an actor like both go and yaming are both musicians by trade and so this is like their one and only acting credit which is like playing a version of themselves in this film i mean that's a flex <laughs> right you're like you're gonna write this for me and i'm just gonna be myself but not myself and it's gonna be great i mean yaming's very natural on camera i would yeah. not have known she wasn't an actress not at um, all. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the, <laughs> I mean, go is kind of go, knowing go in real life. <laughs> uh, very chill dude. Very, very amiable. But again, like, there's, there's real life and like, like the movie, do you think needed to give him a little more? <laughs> a little more. 
Um, I did also enjoy all the little cameos. We got a, a Tamil Tomina cameo. Yes. Um, we got a a so fun fact. So Surja, the the show that Yami's character is opening for is the stage name of Jane Louis, who actually did appear for a few scenes in the second film. Mm. It's just it's fun because this is a film that's set in the very same community <laughs> that Jess and I and Han belong to, um, which is which is kind of fun to see as well. Yes, but then sometimes it's weird. You're like, oh, like, I mean, I'm just very grateful no one got naked in this film because that's, to <laughs> me, I hate that when you're, like, supporting your friend and, like, oh, I don't know if I needed to see your boobs or yeah. your penis. Did you miss Ye Ming's side boob? Did I? She changed shirts. It was like, oh, I it don't was know Ye Ming, though. Cut. I don't it know Ye yeah. Ming. Yeah, it was it was very quick, and that's why I thought one of the reasons why I thought she was just a very natural actress. Um, n- knowing that she's not an actual actress, I was like fairly impressed with her, not because of the nudity, but because of her performance. Um, so, I mean, they're yeah. essentially playing themselves. So I no, think, no, I mean, I think Lynn's Lynn's direction was just act natural. No. I have to tell but you, it's th- really hard to act natural. <laughs> it Marvin. is. That's why Chloe Zhao is given so much credit for being able to work with non-actors, um, like in Nomadland, uh, because most non-actors act weird on camera. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once you are perceived, you are different. Because mm-hmm. mm. I've, I mean, I cannot be natural on camera. It's very awkward. It's very awkward. <laughs> the hands. What do you do with your hands? I overaccentuate with my hands, but also I do that normally. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've lived my life very deliberately as a cartoon character. So <laughs> when I go on screen, it's like, you're too much. I'm like, I'm like this anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, last question is, I will make you mind good pop. I will say yes, absolutely. I think it's a great film. Um, my small quibble aside about the Go character didn't actually ruin the whole film for me. I think it just made me kind of be like, what? Um, and <laughs> knowing that, I think I would recommend if other people see it to try to watch the other two. <laughs> I agree with Han. I mean, we were quibbling a lot about Go, but it is a very like enjoyable experience. And I say that as someone who does not typically like Indie, indie films indie like, indie films yeah. and this is i mean and let's be real this is like the true sense of an indie film like it was a group of friends they got together she banged the script out directed it i think their shooting schedule was like maybe like 14 days like t- four yeah like two weeks that's yeah. insane she caught in the law of favors and the fact that it turned out so polished and mm-hmm. interesting and uh you know and again she wrote and directed and produced it is pretty incredible and again saying this as someone who does not fuck with like <laughs> weird indie films. Um, I had a good time watching this. Yeah, yeah, it was very enjoyable. It helps to have like good friends who are producers and a husband who was an editor. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I checked out Lynn's husband because I was like, who's she married to? And I'm like, oh, this means a lot. <laughs> Professionally checked out, right? Not like, <laughs> oh no, I don't care anything about him. Yeah, <laughs> I always try to see who someone's married to once I start to like you know dig into their world yeah that's the secret fam if you're an aspiring filmmaker date someone with really great below the date someone who works (laughs) below the line who's like talented at that and you will get free labor because you know like our other friend sujata her partner is like a sound mixer yeah (laughs) or or he's like an editor too and then uh his brother is like a sound mixer and i was like yeah you gotta 
you gotta like find all those family connections to make your film get those like studio quality like mixing and editing for like no money whatever you have to do i mean so we were just talking about this in my job we're saying like writers should not be with other writers that includes journalists and i think that goes for anyone creative is you know i mean this is just my opinion clearly you can date who you want but i feel that if you are a creative person if you're an actor actress writer stuff like that um a partner who is in a complementary profession works better instead of having butting heads and all that type of stuff like it's great when you it's for tabloid fodder when you have a benefer situation but i just cannot imagine the egos in that house so <laughs> um and I, yeah. I, yeah i tell my I have a lot of actor friends and actors love hanging out with other actors. Totally get it. It's fun. But I'm like, yo, if you were smart, you'd make friends with writers. Yeah. With, with- <laughs> An actor can't give you a- another actor can't give you a job. Yeah. Or oh. um, <laughs> agency or some other place. Yeah. This is so Slytherin of us to be like, yes, you should make sure your friendships are transactional. You know what? <laughs> it, 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 it means that there's no con- on competition. I yeah, was just can't be saying. jealous of each other as much, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've all been at the receiving end of friend favors in this in this community. Oh, absolutely. So. <laughs> and I will happily help friends when I can, but it's it becomes sort of a weird conflict of interest when I'm trying to I'm being asked to help someone who is like my competition basically so yeah it was when i was single and like working this job whenever i would like go on a date with an actor i'm like oh i really hope you don't like this can get weird (laughs) this can get weird i don't like this let's x x out swipe no yeah um from my end i yeah i still think this is good pop as someone who is a fan of the series and and actually just rewatched the, all three films within the span of a day, I'll say this is a really good way to kind of close the loop on the series as well. Um, like, I, I thought it was really funny that they made Go, who is the main character of the first two films, into kind of a, like a just a non-entity in this third one, who's just like kind of there um, as an object for these three women to, you know, um, have their existential crises about. Um, <laughs> yeah, objectify men. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was great to see go back as like fake go. Um, great to hear music again. You know, I I came up through the Asian American community through the music scene, so it was kind of cool to see um listen to listen to some just great tunes. Um, some 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 classic go Nakamura bangers in this film. You know, um. Bangers, sad boy bangers. I was about to say bangers kind of like belies the fact that it's very gentle <laughs> and dreamy music. Um, and I love that there was a callback. So the song that he plays at um his his baby mama's funeral is a main plot point in the second film. It's a song called Daylight Savings, which is the name of the second film, which is a song that he sold to a pharmaceutical company that he sold to a pharmaceutical company to make a ton of money in order to provide for their relationship um, and ended up being kind of like the thing that haunts him for the rest of his career as the guy who sang that drug commercial song. Yeah, and she didn't die. Her dad died. They're at a, they're at a funeral right, right, right. for her someone dad. else, not her funeral yeah. to clarify. Cause if she took him back after that, that would have been amazing. This that is been a, a very different movie, <laughs> which I would not be against, but yeah, a very different movie. <laughs> oh, well, 
So yeah, um, let us know what you all thought about I Will Make You Mine and the Circuit Valentine trilogy. Um, you can catch um, I Will Make You Mine for free on Amazon Prime Video, Vudu, and Pluto TV. Um, you can catch the other two films for rent on Amazon. Um, and also I think IMDb TV offers it as well. Um, it's a great series. Um, it's a fun watch um not super indie it's not avant-garde yeah it's you know it's fun enough for even just to enjoy indie movie which is saying a <laughs> yes, lot i am the most basic <laughs> blockbuster bitch and you know if i'm like saying it was a good watch you'll be fine yeah i wanted to scratch my eyes out during phantom thread i hate that movie <laughs> so much i very much enjoyed that i like avant-garde like twin peak shit but I also enjoy basic shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, Jess Han. Uh, people want to find out more of your thoughts. Where can they go? My trash thoughts are on Twitter at Just You Tweets, and I am at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yuet, and you can find this podcast at Good Pop Club. And as always, I want to give a quick shout out to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian hosted podcasts that we are a proud member of. You can check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Congratulations again to Lynn um, for her directorial debut. Looking forward to what's coming up next for the talented director, actress, and all-around cool person. Um, next week, I guess, um, are we going to talk Black Widow? Is it Black Widow time? I'm down for that. <laughs> it is an Asian-American-led film, Marvin. Right. <laughs> This is very true. Uh, it is also the newest MCU film, so we probably yeah. kind of have to. Let's do <laughs> it. Yeah, it. we missed this film. We'll be like, wait, what's happening in everything else? <laughs> it's a TV series at this point. We have to to maintain our pop culture credentials. So, you know, we kind of true. Yeah, that's true. All right, join us next week when we talk about Black Widow. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.